0: How y'all doing? Yesterday, I had a wonderful day. I had a chance to go out to the Crossroads uh, youth facility, and uh, we went and and uh, they cooked them a big old Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, it, it is amazing to watch teenage boys eat. I mean, it, it, is, it is where the line between human and animal truly gets blurred. Uh, and I mean... Uh, <laughs> You know, usually, you know, well, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I eat, you know, it's kind of, you know, you pull your fork up to your mouth. For these young boys, they got as close to the food as possible. So the fork had as little distance to travel from the plate to the mouth. And I got to go with the Christian Motorcyclists Association. And uh, it was raining yesterday, so we didn't go on motorcycles. One did, actually. One brave soul. Uh, put on a snowsuit, and, and drove out uh, on the motorcycles. But they did all wear their, their jackets and their boots, and I wore this. <laughs> and so I look at I'm with them, and they're like, uh-uh. In <laughs> fact, Dan, Dan, are you here this morning? Come on, you got to show us. Stand up, turn around. They all had this, this cool little emblem on there. If we ever get a church jacket, we're going to have to plagiarize some of that. <laughs> so much fun. we uh I don't know how how did you say, Dan? we had uh, you were counting, but we had uh, 80, boys. 80 boys and uh, and uh, dan Dan was kind enough uh, or, or dumb enough to ask me to speak, and uh, how many uh, how many boys looked up to uh thirty five, 40. And these are hard. These are hard teenage boys. I mean, these are tough. These guys could whip me with one hand behind their back. She isn't saying much, but still, you know, it was... <laughs> it was uh, but it was a great day, and uh, it was a good prelude to, uh, to what's going to happen this Thursday. So also I brought with me a little prop. And this prop, the reason I brought it is it's the closest thing I could find... To, to the story of, of the manna in the Bible. You know that story? You know, you, sometimes you learn about it at Sunday school. It's uh, when the Israelites were kind of out in the desert there and wandering around, and they didn't have any food, and God kind of provided some of these frosted flakes from above for them. Uh, they, they're, they're really good stuff, actually. Uh, the longer I hold it, the more I'm inclined to put some in my mouth. Well, what with that? Does anybody know... And, by the way, if you were here last service, I'm sorry, some, some might fly out and hit you, but I know you shouldn't talk with your mouth full, but it's frosted flakes. <laughs> Does anybody know the chapter in the Bible w- w- in which the story of the manna is? Anybody have that? Anybody got your Bible so memorized that you've got it, but you couldn't, couldn't have been here last service? So, you know, sorry, Debbie. <laughs> She's like, Anybody, anybody got the, the you know it's in Exodus. You wanna take a guess? We call this birthday our sweet. You got it, bud. It's all yours, man. You get frosted flakes for a week. Alright. I had to give it away or else I'd have taken it home. And the last thing I need to be eating for breakfast is frosted flakes. Which is probably what the Israelites thought when they had it after the third year. Is this it? It's kind of boring after a while. <laughs> um, if you want to go ahead and head over to Exodus chapter 16, let me tell a little story. And the story is, uh, well, it's a basic story. It's a story that you, you might see in movies or you have in Sunday school. It's a story about the people of Israel. and They're enslaved and trapped in Egypt. They're, they're getting whipped every day. They're building those big giant pyramids and the great cities of the Egyptians that we still have today. And, uh, of course, they don't like their life situation. Uh, They have uh, no salary, no retirement plan, and uh, no uh, sort of entitlements. Uh, They're just fodder, fodder for the slave force of Pharaoh. And uh, they're not too happy about that. They begin to complain. Uh, They they begin to... uh, wine and of course uh, god hears their cry and it's a, it's a valid one uh, And god delivers them he, he sends moses And of course you got the red sea parting and they walk through the red sea and they look behind them And they see the waters fall in on the egyptian army And kind of two things occur in that moment First they look back and as they see this whole army essentially drowning in the red sea the first statement they would make to themselves is no more enemies, right? All these, you know, Egyptians that were hoping to run us through with their blades are no longer a threat. They are not a part part of our lives anymore. And then the second thing you have is you look kind of ahead and you realize that the place that God delivered you was nothing but a barren desert. And I have been there. Uh, it, It is, I mean... It makes, you know, Kern County look like a tropical forest compared to the Sinai Desert. Uh, There's not even shrubs. It's great dunes and rocks and, and, and more rocks and donkey poop and all this kind of stuff. You know, nothing you can eat. Well, unless you're two. Anyway, so, you know, nothing you can eat. And, you know, there's a million of you out there in the middle of the desert and so somebody gets the great idea. I mean, it's you know, not really a, a human reaction at all, but somebody gets a great idea to complain. And uh, so let's go ahead and, and put your finger in Exodus 16, and let's pray. Jesus, as we open your word this morning, we ask you, Father, uh, to just uh, open our eyes, open our hearts to what you would say, Lord God, and that we would all be able to walk away, uh, even if it's just with one thing. As we enter into this holiday, a holiday where we look back and we engage the word to be thankful in Jesus name. Amen. Beginning in verse one, uh, whether it's all of them or one of them, uh, they come forward and they say to Moses, Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Now, that statement, it goes to show you just how upset they were. They're saying, Moses, we'd have rather died by the Nile River than be where we're at right now. They said, in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat. We were getting pot roast every night. Vegetables, onions, garlic. And they were enjoying steak and eggs. And they're saying, look, Mo, the desert onions, they just aren't cutting it anymore. He said, you have brought us out into this desert to starve to death. Now, does that sound like God to you? Is God going to bring you out to the desert and let you starve after he's done so much to create you, so much to save you? Uh, he's going to lead you out into the desert and let you starve. And so obviously this scripture is asking a key question. Where God leads us, well, does he also provide for us? I mean, that's that's a a valid question. If I follow God, I may end up out in the desert. Is he going to come through? And, of course, they have decided he hasn't. And so they're saying we'd have rather died in Egypt than be alive here. And so the Lord says to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, each day, probably in the morning, and gather enough for the day. Gather enough of this, uh, uh, what you just saw, a bunch of cornflakes all over the ground. And you can break it, bake it, boil it, do all sorts of things with it. Kind of like a desert flower, only not as, not as useful in some ways. And on the sixth day, they're to get double. On the sixth day, so every day you gather enough for one day, but on the sixth day you gather enough for two days. And, of course, on the seventh day, there will be none, and you rest. And, and so they did it just as it happened. Just as God said it would, the manna comes, supplemented with a little bit of quail. Uh, the manna comes, they, they begin to collect it every day. Some people try to test God. They take a little more than what they need. You know what happens? It just begins to decay. The, the, the more that they can't eat, they can't store. It, it just begins to decay. But... Every day was fresh new manna. So you only needed enough for one day. This is where, if you know the Lord's Prayer, some of the thought behind give us each day our daily bread, totally thinking of the manna and this story. Give us each day enough. And and and, and so God did. And, and if the story ended there, you know, that that would be one thing. But at the end of it, if you skip down to Exodus 16.33, there's one more little part to this story that I think really applies to our holiday this weekend, this week. Moses says to Aaron, I want you to take some of this stuff. and I want you to put it in a jar. And I want you to save it for, for the table that we're going to construct before the Lord, the tabernacle, as a remembrance for the generations to come. Take some, put it in a jar, and, and when we come to the land, the land of Canaan, the promised land where the manna no longer falls, we'll have this jar, and we will remember when we were out in the desert, God heard us and God provided for us with this bread from heaven, right? And so the story goes. Now, what if I was to tell you a different story? What if I was to tell you that today, in the Sinai Desert, Bedouins still go out and gather a white, flaky-like substance uh, that tastes a little bit like coriander seed and honey and that they call it manna, that it actually is derived from plant lice that feed on the local tamarisk trees, so obviously... There's a little more vegetation than I led on to believe. Uh, It feeds on the local tamarisk trees, and the bugs essentially eat up the sap, and they excrete, pardon the image, they excrete this white, flaky substance that is rich in nitrogen and rich in carbohydrates. Why are those two things important to know? Well, by the noonday sun it begins to melt and wither and decay, or the bugs begin to get it. So if you gather more than what you can eat in a day, it probably will not survive until the next. Is this uh, story sounding familiar to anybody? I have a hard time when I read these kinds of stories. I think many of you know where I'm going. I want my miracles to be miraculous, not bug poop. You know? I mean, I I want a miracle that's got some Holy Spirit fireworks, you know? We've got fingers snapping. We've got gold dust falling. We've got the whole nine yards. I mean, who wants their miracle to be bug poop, you know? Who really wants that? I think to myself, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 Come on now. You know, God, you, you, we can could, we could do better than that. I mean, you know, you, I don't want a miracle that can be explained. I want a miracle that cannot be explained, you know. I, I want some of that proof. When, when I say, man, God is powerful, I want some stuff to back that up. I want, you, I want to see God just kind of snap his fingers and bend nature, you know, because that's, that's, that's what we think of God. We think of God as he doesn't have to really, apply, the rules don't really apply to him, right? Uh, he doesn't have to live by the laws of nature and gravity and all that stuff. I mean, God can bend all of those at his will. But the question, the question on the table is, does manna have to miraculously appear in order to qualify it as a miracle? The real question on the table is, what makes something bread from heaven? Is it the bread itself or the one who sent the bread? That's the real question. A better question may be, are we willing to leave it up to God to decide how he will do his own miracles? And I think how we answer that question has a lot to do with how we answer the question of faith. If the miracles of God for you are only limited to the nature defying extraordinary events, then when you don't get the miracle that you're praying for in the way that you're praying for it, you're bound to set yourself up for disappointment. And first, we begin to take it out with God. We begin to think thoughts like, oh, well, God must be ignoring me, uh, God, God, God must not be listening. Or maybe God is not God of, God, the God I think he is. Maybe God's not a God of miracles. Maybe, you know, I mean, you hear that every now and then. You know, we, I prayed for something that didn't happen. Oh, God must not be a God of miracles. Because it didn't necessarily happen in the way we, we pray for, the way we want or the way we asked. Or worse yet, maybe God is indifferent to my needs. So first we start somewhat having it out with God. Then we go on to people. Do you hear that in the Israelites voice the Egyptians (laughs) the Egyptians who worship cows have cows to eat and plenty of them meat in pots vegetables they've got the whole nine yards and we're out here with the desert onions so the second thing we can do is we're gonna say you know what God why is her miracle better than mine why is his miracle better than mine Why do they get a miracle in the way I always hope to get one? And I'm just stuck with, I have all my needs taken care of. I want to see some dazzle. (laughs) And then there's the third thing, the thing that I think I most struggle with and come to. God, what's wrong with me? Maybe I don't have enough faith for a miracle. Or maybe I'm in sin. Some, Some weird... Dark thing that I'm holding on to I, I've, That I've forgotten long ago Maybe I'm not good enough Maybe the reason why others Are getting better, better miracles than me its because it's my fault And you begin to think Maybe other people will get those kind of miracles But I won't If I'm describing anybody to you I'm describing myself I'm describing my own journey As I process Stories like these. Too often when I pray for something, I want to see the extraordinary, not the ordinary. It's like that proverbial story of the man drowning out in the ocean, and he prays for God to deliver him, and God sends a boat to throw out the life ring, and he says, no, no, I don't need your life ring. I'm praying for God to save me. (laughs) Then the fishermen come by and throw a net. No, I don't need your net. I'm praying for God to save me. Then two kids on a rowboat row out to him and say, hey, come into our boat. We'll say, no, I don't need you. I, I, God's going to save me. And he drowns. <laughs> kind of saw that coming, did you? <laughs> and and he gets up to heaven, and he says, well, God, you know, I, I, I prayed for you to save me. And he didn't. God says, well, I sent you a ship, a rowboat with kids in it, and a fishing net. I mean, what more did you want? What he wanted was the extraordinary. God was using ordinary things miraculously to accomplish his will, and yet he was looking for that extraordinary event. And so often when I get to that place, I have that same reaction because there's a part of me where, you know, I hear those who kind of mock people who pray and mock people who, who are waiting for a miracle or hungry for a miracle or hungry for God to do anything, you know. Most often those are people who may have tried it out themselves, nothing happened, and so now they mock Everybody else who tries. There's a part of me that's like, God, if I could just have something, something powerful to hand and say, look, there's God. Then then these people would turn and, and know you and love you and follow you. I mean, just, to, God, I'm, just, I'm not asking for much, just a little bit of firecracker. <laughs> and so what do I do? I hear stories like this and I try to refute. And boy, if there's anything I've learned in uh, in 12 years of school, well, plus 12. Uh, it's, it's how to, you know, research and refute and find holes and arguments and, oh, well, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and, and, you, know, you don't have to really believe this. And, and I was kind of doing that a little this week when I ran into the story until I felt God say, stop. Stop for a moment. Do you really need to do this? Do you really need to know the answer to this in this way. Maybe I did use bug juice to feed the Israelites. You know what? Maybe I didn't. But Tom, I want you to let go of the how and accept the why. I fed them because I loved them. And I'll provide for you because I love you. And I may, I may provide for you through the bugs in the ground. Or you may open your door up and find a six bags of groceries there because I told Mark Christian to go buy it for you. And that man's a prophet of God and he heard my voice. And he went out there and he got me tri-tip steak, lasagna, you don't have your pen and pencil out there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and, oh, iPad. Great. That's why those were invented. Okay. Okay. God, it's almost as if God was saying, Tom, maybe maybe the plant lice came many years later, and that's just a coincidence. Or Tom, maybe I did use the plant lice. Or Tom, maybe at the creation of the world, when I saw all of the events unfolding as I race ahead time and race back, and I saw a people that I loved, knowing they were going to be there, that many, many years earlier I was setting up their provision before they even existed. Or maybe, or maybe, it was exactly as we hoped. Just raining down like the dew. Those flakes just popped up, and they were frosted flakes from above. (laughs) In any event, is the how really that important when you consider the why? The why is that God heard their prayer and God loved them and God provided for them. They called it manna. You know why they called it manna? Because they really couldn't figure out what it is or how it got there. It was just, what is it? Manna. And they put it in a jar and they saved it. Now, I want to go to one, one other small detail of this story. There is actually... An extraordinary miracle in this teaching. If nothing else, as I'm fighting it out with God this week over this text, it's as if it kind of opened itself up. And ta-da! Catch it. In fact, I'll ask. You just heard the story. I just told it to you. Where is the extraordinary miracle of God in this story? And by the way, if you're in a nine o'clock service, you cannot cheat. Debbie. (laughs) Julie and Gary. Eric. (laughs) He was taking a breath. He was ready to go. (laughs) Anybody know where the true extraordinary miracle is? Let me ask you this. Do plant lice know the difference between Friday and Saturday? No. So let's say for a moment God did use some plant lice. And every day, they're, they're doing their thing, right? And they're producing this manna. God said, on the sixth day, I want you to gather enough for two days. Up until then, if they gathered enough for two, what would happen to the other portion? It would rot. But what happened on the seventh day? Was that portion rotted? No. That portion was there. I think if there's any conclusion we can draw to this season of miracles is that there's a little of both. There's a little bit of the ordinary when God works something powerful. And then there's a little bit of the extraordinary. And I think it's beautiful how God is secure enough in himself. He doesn't have to dazzle and snap his fingers. Oh, he can, and he has. And if you read the Bible, those are there. I'm not discounting those kinds of miracles at all. We don't necessarily have to corner God and say, it has to be this way. Comes back to the question I asked earlier. What makes the thing bread from heaven? The bread itself or the God who sent it? Fast forward now to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, the... the Jews are very much like the Israelites in the desert. They're under Roman oppression, Roman domination, and they are waiting and crying out for a new Moses, a new Exodus, a new David, a new Solomon, the second temple Jews of this period, very much believed that the miracle of God would come that way. Jesus shows up, and he shows a lot of potential. He shows a lot of promise. And then one day, he shows huge potential and huge promise when he miraculously prays for some bread and fish. They are multiplied, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are fed. So a lot of these Jews, they're no idiots. They're thinking, wait a minute. God fed us by multiplying bread once before. It was with the manna. Wait a minute. We might have a new Moses here. We might be on the dawn of a new exodus. We might be getting rid of another set of Egyptians called the Romans. And so they're all rallying to Jesus because they want to take him king by force and have him be a political Messiah. And Jesus sees right through it. So Jesus gets in a boat and kind of goes across the lake. Well, they find him. I mean... Can you imagine the energy it takes to find somebody across a lake that's miles wide? Far more than the piece of bread they just got. And they're using all of this. They finally find him. And Jesus says, you're not coming to me because you really believe in my ministry. You're coming to me because you want more bread. And they essentially say, yes, we want the wonder bread. Our father... Fed us with manna in the wilderness. We want your wonder bread, fantastic bread here right now. Of course we are, Jesus. If you did it once, why not do it twice? If you've got that kind of power, we've never, we've had prophets come and go, but they've never fed thousands of people like this. Only once in our history has a prophet ever fed thousands. His name was Moses. We're looking at you and we're thinking, how with the old Moses, in with the new one. I suppose sometimes maybe that's how I want my Jesus to be. The Jesus that gets me some bread. But Jesus he wanted to give them something better. Rather than giving them extraordinary bread, he wanted to give them an ordinary man. Only Jesus was no ordinary man. But on the surface, he seemed to be. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Some of you, you might want to just close your eyes and listen. Others of you may want to go there yourself. John chapter 6, verse 25. I've always been cautioned, don't read long passages because people get lost in them. And I was trying to find just two or three verses that would really encapsulate it. But you know, if you can't read a big passage of Scripture in church, where can you read it? Amen. Are you guys willing to follow me in this? Even if you didn't bring your Bible, just listen. I'll try to say it as interestingly as possible. Beginning in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are not looking for me because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread. And had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils. But for food that endures even into the afterlife. Which the son of man, I, will give you. For on him, God the father has placed a seal of approval. Then they asked him, what what must we do? Uh, we'll, We'll do it. The works that God requires, do it. And Jesus answered, no, no, you don't have to slaughter pigs. You don't have to slaughter ducks. Forget, I know what you're thinking. Jesus says, the work of God is this, to simply believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe it? What will you do? We need a sign to believe in. They said, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. That was a pretty daily sign. Every day, God's miraculous provision was there. We never doubted. God was with us. He was there. That was their sign. What's our sign? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life, gives Zoe to the world. Zoe is the Greek word for life. It's where we get our word zoo from. Life springs up as God sends bread to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're still thinking about the bread. And then Jesus declared, it was a perfect setup. Jesus says, I am the bread. I am it. I am the sustenance of life that God has sent to the earth. And the work of God is to believe in me. Will you do that? He says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Verse 49, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat, and they will not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The bread of life in Jesus means anything. It means we have two miracles this Thanksgiving. The first miracle is the gift of Jesus. That as Christians, we do not have to be afraid to die. You can be afraid of how you die. That is very much on my mind. (laughs) But the fact that one day I will cross from this world to the next no longer torments me like it once did. I know where I'm going. I know who I'll see. I believe in it. I believe in the one that the Father sent Sometimes I don't even know why I believe it. Just something deep down I do. I believe in it. I believe he's the bread. If I trust in any bread, it's that bread. I respect that bread. I can follow that bread. I want to try to be like that bread. That bread is all love. That bread is all life. That bread is forgiveness. That bread, like we said last week, lives to serve you every single day. And even on that most special day, the last day that you were here and the first day that you were there, it's a wonderful, beautiful bread, very much worth putting in a jar and saving it for generations to come to remember that bread. Of course, the second miracle is that we can look forward yet to the life we have to live. That like manna in the wilderness, God doesn't stop providing by simply, it wasn't simple, but by simply giving us Jesus. He has also promised, when you are looking out and you see a barren desert, watch out. Because whether it comes from plant lice or it comes raining down, it is coming. Because I care. In conclusion, I'd like to just weave in four points very briefly. Number one, that Thanksgiving is about rest and relaxation. That's the whole point of the, I think, the miracle of the Sabbath. God wanted them to rest. Rather than every day, all day, all the time, they're always working, always trying to work for food. They had one day where they could get together like we get together. Shake hands, talk. Hey, hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, Susie, what's going on? That they could rest and have relationships. I think the second thing is that they could make restitution. You know, one day a week, you know, man, I, I said some words to you earlier. I, haven't, I know I haven't had time. We've been busy. I just like to come and say, you know, I'm sorry for that. We forgive me. Thanksgiving is a time where we can say, you know what? Let's let bygones be bygones and let's move on. Let's move on in forgiveness. Amen. Number three, it's a time of remembrance. Put the manna in the jar. Look at it. I have things my my wife knows. I I have little notes sometimes I've kept in my wallet. either scripture somebody has written or or a phrase somebody has written. And every now and then when I clean out my wallet, I'll find it and I'll remember. I'll remember a special moment. I try to keep those in my wallet amidst the 500 receipts. And the checks I haven't deposited. I forgot to deposit. (laughs) Sandy. (laughs) There is a life that Sandy and I share that only Sandy and I understand. (laughs) You have to know this about us. (laughs) And then finally, the fourth thing would be rejoicing and retelling. That it's another year where we can talk about stories like this. Or even better, about your stories. Stories where God did bring you through another year, and he did it by his love, and I also want to add, by a church that loves you as well. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, this time, I'm going to have to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to take communion together, and we're going to take communion in a bit of a different way. Instead of those wafers you're used to, we're going to have graham crackers, Because I'm trying to get it as close to the banner as possible. Now, when they hand out what they're about to hand out, they're also going to hand each of you a jar. This is our our gift to you this morning. I want you to have it. And in that jar, when you get your piece of graham cracker, I would like you to break a piece of that cracker off in half. Break a piece of it off, and I would like you to put the piece of that graham cracker in that jar for you to have. And that jar is for you to keep. It's for you to put somewhere. Maybe, uh, you know, in, on your fireplace mantle, in your bathroom, wherever. Or, or, or <laughs> if you're afraid of glass, then, you know, you can dispose after today. <laughs> but that this would be something where you would look, and as that graham cracker represents the manna, God's provision and God's love, both in the desert and through Jesus, that you would always be reminded of the story and of the fact that God loves you and cares for you. The second thing you're going to get is cards. And on those cards are going to be three questions. One is, things I can be thankful for in the past. Second thing is, Things I can be thankful for in the present And the third thing is Things I can be thankful for in the future If I asked everybody to do this at home You probably wouldn't So we'll take just a few minutes out of church Just jot a word or two down Of something you're really thankful for And I'd ask you to fold it up And put it in that jar With the wafer So that your thanksgiving Is together With God's provision. And as you do that, I'm going to ask Eric and Julie to come and sing a song for us and allow, give us some time to fill that out. Remember, keep half, half the wafer because we are going to eat it in a moment.
1: When times are tough, when time stands still, Help me to speak of your glory In your plan and your will And I know you're there Even though I can't see you You hear all my prayers Once again I believe With thanksgiving in my heart, my understanding, I yield to your love. And in this thanksgiving, I'll take part, remembering all you've done for us, though I do not understand how the years bring good and bad. In looking back And looking ahead Don't always know what has happened If it'll happen again And I know you're there Even though I can't see you You hear all my prayers
0: Once again
1: I believe in you I come with thanksgiving in my heart my understanding I yield to your love And in this thanksgiving I'll take part Remembering all you've done for us Though I do not understand How the years bring good and bad I come with thanksgiving in my heart My understanding I yield to your love And in this thanksgiving I'll take part Remembering all you've done for us Though I do not understand the years bring good and bad i come with thanksgiving in my heart my understanding i yield to your love
0: you're ready for the best communion wafer you've ever tasted let's pray jesus you are the bread of life Lord, we we learned a few weeks back or we're reminded once again that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we remember, we remember that, that this was not easy for you, and yet you gave it for us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. And we receive you as the bread of our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. mm mm And then there's the blood. We sang a song earlier. Um, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. What saves us, what forgives us, what helps us to have peace is Jesus who shed blood on the cross. And so uh, buy it we declare we are free. We receive his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And for that, we're grateful. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for your blood. Uh, God, we just, the assurance and peace we have in our forgiveness is, uh, nothing compares to that, Lord. And so we thank you, God. We thank you for this. Help us to always be reminded a God who provides, a God who forgives, a God who has mercy, and a God who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Lord, this Thursday, as we gather together and we talk about things like pilgrims, Native Americans, and corn, pumpkin pie, Jesus, I pray that also we would be talking about manna. We'd be talking about... Bug juice we'd be talking about Jesus and the bread of life and we would be talking about all the things you've done for us and things that we know somehow some way the how is not important but that because of the why the things we can also be thankful for in the future in Jesus name amen have a great week have a great feast and uh, have a wonderful time we'll see you next Sunday next Sunday we start our Christmas Series uh, Four messages, the Advent calendar. And if you haven't seen the video about the Christmas linebacker, I think you're going to like this one. So uh, you'll want to come back next Sunday and see that one. It's really, really funny. Have a good day. Take care. And we'll see you next week.